Who's missed worshipping the past couple of weeks? <laughs> it's so good to be able to come. and It's good to celebrate Christmas. It's good to have that devoted time. But it's so good to come together as the family of God again and to worship him, to love him and adore him and to be with our brothers and sisters. Um, it's a real blessing. I'm, I'm, I'm slightly torn this morning. There's been so much that's been said that is so applied to to the message I feel God's given me for today. And I think we're going we're gonna to stay there. Let's see what God does this morning. Let's see if he changes our direction, changes tack a bit uh, with us this morning. Um, for those of you who don't know, my name's Craig. I'm lead elder here at Billingshurst Family Church. And um, it's, been a nice, it's been nice to have a break. It's been nice to have, celebrate Christmas and New Year's. Um, I'm looking forward to this year to see what opportunities... Um, God's going to present to us and open up to us as a church, that, but we want to see the church grow and flourish. We want to see salvation in this place, don't we? Yeah, we want to see salvation in this place. We want to see people coming to know Jesus. Um, and uh, my hope is that as we set on this year, as we make some decisions this morning about the coming year, that we're going to see more of that happening. We're going to see more people reach with the gospel. And that we would see people saved and added to this church family. Can I ask you to put your hand up if you made a New Year's resolution? Well, there's one, two, three, four. Oh, there's a half hand at the back. Was that, maybe it doesn't count as a New Year's resolution. Who quite knows? Um, is anyone happy to share their New Year's resolution? Go on, Russ, you have to. You're at the front. <laughs> Does anyone else have to share their New Year's resolution? Sue? Go swimming more. Excellent. Rachel, you had your hand up. You've got to say something. <laughs> That's fine. It's fine. Um, I have a list of the ten, top 10 New Year's resolutions of this year. Um, how are you doing so far? You're a week in. Russ, how's it going? Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. Sue, <laughs> so have you been swimming more? Oh, dear. <laughs> Um, yeah, let, me, let me be honest, um, I, I was headed towards New Year's Eve, um, the, the week before Christmas and New Year, and I pretty much decided I wasn't going to be making any New Year's resolutions, because I failed every other year um, with the resolutions I've, ma- I've made. Um, yeah, I've probably been making resolutions for 15 or 20 years now, um, and I've never succeeded at any of them. Um, you know, traditionally... These New Year's resolutions have sort of been relatively quite low level, you know, getting fitter, losing weight, eating better. I've never succeeded. But year in, year out, I've made these resolutions anyway with a hope. Maybe this year will be better. This year I will finally succeed. I've done a bit of research on New Year's resolutions, and we're normally seeking to have a better year than the one we've had. Uh, one poll said the top ten resolutions made for the year, this year were in tenth place, learn something new. Ninth place, spend more time with family. Eighth place, improve your mental health. Seventh, pay down debt. Six, try to be happier in general. Five, lose some weight. Four, eat better. Three, work out more. Two, be healthier in general. And one, number one this year is to save money, Um, which I thought was interesting because I've not seen a lot of New Year's resolutions to do with money. Uh, So I thought, huh? (laughs) It is a hard one but people were seeking to do it. 
And it seems like we make New Year's resolutions to lower our weight, to get healthier, have more money, or just be happier. They're pretty, a lot of these things are pretty surface level. I don't know how many of you have this year committed to the Bible in one year. One, two. I know Russ has. His name's on here. Um, <laughs> I know I have, and I know Russ has. Uh, and for me, up until Friday, it was going really well. It was going so well. Uh, but Thursday night through Friday morning, I was feeling under the weather, a bit coldy. probably tell I'm not 100% today. Uh, the other night, I had to properly warm up. I went to bed in a hoodie um, because I was just feeling rubbish. So when I hit Friday, um, I did what I urgently needed to do. My children got to school. My children got fed. Um, but the rest of the time, I was just out of it. Um, so I did what was urgently, urgently needed to do, but that which was not so urgent, like my devotional time, my Bible in one year, it dropped off the timetable. And then Saturday came around, and it was all the same again. I was trying to finish my sermon, and through the day I was just feeling worn out and tired, a bit bleh. And I came to the point where I was sat up at half nine last night, struggling to write, and I realized, oh, I've missed my devotional time for two days. I've missed my Bible in a year two days. And I'd known that all along. I'd known that for both days that I've missed it. But I kept putting it off because I felt like, well, I failed yesterday. Why bother today? What's the point? You know, I've already messed up. So why, why bother? <coughs> and as I was sat there on the sofa, and after everyone else had gone to bed, I, I realized that I'd missed this, and I realized that actually the enemy doesn't want me to be in the words. He doesn't want me studying. He doesn't want me understanding more. He doesn't want me to take time aside to spend with God. And I was like, right, I'm going to do this now. I've got you know, very little sermon for tomorrow, but I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to do this now. And I got on the floor, and out on the floor, and I read my devotional, I read my Bible in one year readings, and I felt satisfied in God afresh. And I was able to write and ready to share with you all this morning because I'd taken that time to be with him. And so it's so easy, isn't it, to think about the stuff we've got to do as stuff we've got to do rather than thinking about the stuff we've got to do is someone we've got to meet with. It's not just an agenda item to tick off an opportunity to draw near to the living God. Now, fortunately, I had already prayed about what to share this morning, um, and uh, you'll see from my email yesterday, apologies for getting the date wrong, um, Russ has confirmed it's 29th of January, um, but on there I said about how we're going to be looking at grace and discipline. Um, and God's kept me in the same ballpark, he's such a good God that the readings for the day we're perfect for what we're looking at this morning, grace and spiritual discipline. So let's pray, and then we're going to jump into Romans 7, for a little, Romans 7 and 8 for a little bit, and then we're going to think about spiritual discipline and the Word. Lord Jesus, I thank you that we can come together this morning as, as believers and maybe unbelievers as well, but we can come together in this place, and all of us, every single one of us here has the opportunity to hear from you this morning, to be touched by you, to have the Spirit at work in our lives to come into a knowledge of the living God, whether for the first time or afresh. And I pray, Lord, that this morning you would be at work amongst us. You'd open our eyes and our ears to things that you want to be moving in in our lives. 
the ways you want us to walk, the directions you want us to go. I pray, Lord, that you'd be revealing them to us and making us humble, Lord, to seek to walk in the things you have set for us to walk in. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Romans 7 contains one of my favorite portions of Scripture. It's written by Paul. It talks about the way sin becomes apparent once we become aware of that which is good, holy, and pure. In Romans 7, verses 9 to 12, Paul writes, I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. What this seems to tell us is that when we learn what is right and good, holy and pure, sin turns up and proves we can't live up to it. More than that, though, not only does sin become apparent, but as we are aware of that which is good, holy and pure, sin is active in us. Romans 7 verse 21 says, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Sometimes the right that we want to do is to get into the word. And sin, our adversary, wants to drag us away from the word because it knows the word frees us from the power of sin. And the way it does that is through creating this spiral of frustration and causing us to dwell in the mire of the flesh. But we can praise God that Paul didn't just write chapter 7 of Romans, but he also wrote chapter 8, which says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the, sin, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is, is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, this is great news for us. It's great for us who know Jesus and love him. And it's great for us who don't know him yet because it's an opportunity to get a better understanding on why Christians are Christians. If sin gets to all of us and is at work in all of us, whether we're Christians or not, we all face sin every day. We all have the opportunity to give it a foothold or to deny it a foothold. But sin is crafty. This adversary has teeth and likes to try and trip us up trick us and trip us up, but Jesus has defeated the power of sin in the life of those who believe. In Romans 8, 3 to 4, it says, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You see, Jesus has overcome death. Jesus has overcome sin, and Jesus invites us to join him in trampling sin in our lives because he conquered sin in his perfect life and he conquered death on the cross. 
Jesus lifts us out of our miry pits of flesh and sin, where sin would love for us to remain because sin's a miserable old thing and misery loves company. Sin loves for us to sit in that place, wallowing, aware of everything going on around us, focusing on everything we're getting wrong, everything that's wrong with us, and it makes us sit there in just a spiral because all the time we're there, we're just looking down. We're just staring at everything we've got wrong, everything that's going wrong, everything in our lives that's causing us not to focus on God. Sin loves for us to stay in this place and wallow. Sin loves for us to stay in that place. But Jesus changes us. He lifts us out of the pit of the law of sin and he calls us to fellowship with him by the Holy Spirit. When believers are are living by the Spirit, they're not trapped in sin anymore. Instead, rather than sitting and their eyes being down and just glaring at everything that's going wrong, they lift their gaze higher out of the flesh, out of their situation, out of the scenario, out of everything that's wrong with them, out of this sitting in the place where we're, we're prone to sin, and instead by this Holy Spirit we behold Jesus. And as the head is lifted, as, as we go from that place of sitting and wallowing and we lift our eyes, our head is lifted, our gaze is lifted, and our bodies are lifted as well. See, as the head is lifted and eyes set on the Spirit, the flesh, the physical, is changed. It's renewed. It's being redeemed. It's no longer set for sin, but can be used instead for good. When we live life with our eyes set on God, lives in the Spirit, we live redeemed life. Romans 8, 9 to 11 says this, You, however, talking to believers, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, if in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit, of life, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Now, this is the, the grace of God at work. He gives us the means of accessing abundant life and it's through setting our sights not on flesh and sin and our situation and everything, not setting our eyes on everything we get wrong but instead setting our eyes on the goodness of God and the life he's promised us. Now this is speaking for those who have been saved, those who are Christians and it's great news for believers because it shows how we receive life. It's through life in the Spirit. If you're a believer who's wondering why things are remaining so hard and you're not overcoming things you thought you would be once you turn to Jesus, it's because you need to know life in the Spirit for the first time or afresh. And I'd love to pray with people at the end if you want to be that one who walks in the life of the Spirit, who walks in freedom. If you're not yet a believer, let me tell you that there is a life better than the one you've been walking in, one that enables you to overcome sin in your life and know Jesus who invites you into relationship with him by living life in the Spirit. You just need to put your faith in Jesus.
and trust him, seek to follow him. He's the one who sent the Spirit to us, the one who enables life in the Spirit. Now, Adamo has covered this so wonderfully this morning, um, it going on in Romans 8 and so on, but I'm not going to go through it all because we'd run out of time as we explored salvation and uh, how that works and the good it means for us, the love of God, how God chose us to follow him and so on. And we've heard so much of that already this morning. But alongside this passage, I feel like God in some way saved up for me for Saturday night. I also felt that he wanted me to draw some other parallels from the point of view of my New Year's resolutions. In the last week of 2022, I got a new book. Um, and it's this one uh, called Truth for Life by Alistair Begg. And he, I think he spoke at Keswick last year. Um, and uh, it's a 365 daily devotionals. And this is what I'm using for my daily devotionals and my Bible in one year. Um, and I got it from my in-laws. Great, great couple. And uh, it's really cool. Every day is dated. It's got really good quality devotional writing every day. It's got Bible in one year passages down at the bottom, uh, which is really helpful. So I decided that as a resolution... I would do this every day. And as I've said, it started well, and I was really enjoying reading, and it was giving me joy every day, and then Friday hit, and it all went wrong. Through Friday and Saturday, I sat with my eyes on what I'd got wrong, how I'd failed to make it even to day six without messing up. And I was getting frustrated with getting nothing done, and I was snappy at my kids, uh, with my kids at times, inspiring deeper and deeper into mud and mire, not getting anywhere with my sermon and I realized, I remembered my devotional, my daily reading. As I said, I sat on the floor and I read it. And this feeling of, ah, so this is what it's like to lift my gaze again. And behold, my God, I know that he has dealt with my mistakes already. That he doesn't want me to spend my life dwelling on what I've got wrong. Staying in the place where I'm focused on my flesh, captive to it as it seeks to separate me from God. He wants me to walk with him, to live life in the spirit with him, enjoying all the good things that he has for me, joy and peace amidst tribulation, joy and peace in whatever situation. And this is what Jesus offers all of us this morning, joy and peace, not sin, not fleshy temptation, not wallowing in a pit, but joy and peace in him. Now, perhaps you're thinking to yourself, Craig, this sounds like you've hit a turning point. We're really pleased for you. What on earth am I supposed to do with this? Well, I want to encourage everyone here to live life in the Spirit more and more day by day. I want to encourage each one of you here, if you haven't already, I'd say, I think I counted four hands go up for a New Year's resolution. I'm counting me as five. Um, if you haven't already, I want you to make a resolution this year to make this the year of walking life in the Spirit more and more. You see, sin and flesh leads to death. When we focus on those things, do they give us life? No, they lead to death. Right? It's quite clear. Sin and flesh leads to death. When we focus on that, they lead us to death. But when we focus on Jesus Christ, on God, he doesn't lead to death. He leads to life, life everlasting. John 10.10 10 says, you know, I've quoted this so many times over the past five years, 
The thief comes only to steal, uh, to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus didn't come for you to wallow in a pit of fleshy frustration, but that you might have life and life abundantly. He wants your eyes set on him because in him you can discover more fully life. Sometimes it can be hard to work out what abundant life actually constitutes, what makes it up. And for this, I'm going to make, ask you to make a second New Year's resolution. So first New Year's resolution is to make this a year of living life in the Spirit, which means keeping our eyes set on Him, walking in His ways, following His lead, doing the stuff He wants us to do, walking across the room to that person that God gave you a nudge, that they, you need to talk to them. Let's resolve this year to make it the year where we're walking by the Spirit, <coughs> living life in the Spirit. And the second resolution I want you to make is to help with the first. Maybe you've made it already this year, um, but it's good to resolve some things multiple times. I'm going to ask you to make a resolution that this year is going to be the year you're going to get into the Word, you're going to get into the Bible. Because... The Bible is God's authoritative words to us. It tells us what God is like. It tells us all about his character. And Jesus says in John 5 um, to, the, to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. You want to you wanna know what life in the Spirit looks like? You want to know what abundant Christian life looks like or what life with Christ looks like? It's in here. He tells us, it, it all points to him. You wander through and you get to, I don't know, uh, Ecclesiastes, and you go, it's all meaningless. But that points to Jesus. Because without Jesus, it is all meaningless. All right? We, uh, so all these confusing things we find, it points to Jesus. And when you get stuck, just ask God, like, Lord, how does this point to you? Because you want to know what life in the Spirit looks like. This tells us what it looks like. This tells us what it looks like to follow Jesus. In uh, 2 Timothy, Paul writes, uh, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Paul's referring to the Old Testament because when he wrote this letter, they were the Scriptures that they had. The Old Testament helps us to understand the character of God, to worship Him more fully in all that we do. It helps us to know what sin is to appreciate what holiness might look like. See, life in the Spirit is holy life because it's life that's set apart. It's other. I made up a word this week. It's a life of differentness um, <laughs> because that's what it is. It's, it's different life. It's other than everything around. And if, for those of you who have walked one way for time, encountered Jesus and had life changed, you realize suddenly everything's different. And that's the life we're called to. In our early prayer meeting this week, Neil opened up the year with Psalm 1. It says this in Psalm, in Psalm 1, verse 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. In the Old Testament, we discover the law and how, even though it's good, we can't live up to it. We discover the holiness of God and our need for a saviour, it's good for us to meditate on God's word 
day and night and for us to delight in God's law of grace towards us. And of course, we know the New Testament is incredibly helpful too. contains the direct teaching of Jesus and the apostles. It tells us how to live this Christian life, how to live as a church family in a fallen world. The Bible contains the words of Jesus and Jesus' words are the words of eternal life. So this year, let it be the year where you seek to live a greater depth of life in the Spirit. Let this be the year where you get into the Word. You get into the Bible afresh. If you want to experience, and these things go together, if you want to experience greater life in the Spirit, get into the Word. And you will be encouraged in how to walk more closely with Jesus so that the fleshy pit of sin and failure is no longer a pit to you. It's not somewhere that's come up around the sides and you're closed in. It's not a pit to you anymore. It's a dot in the distant past as you get caught up with life in the Spirit by the power of the Word in your life. So choose life this year. Choose freedom. As a church, let's make a resolution together. This year, 2023 is going to be the year of BFC, devoting ourselves to be people of the Word so we might enjoy being people of the Spirit and have abundant life together. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord God, we are, are grateful for the things you've given us to live our lives, whether that's the air we breathe, the trees creating oxygen or the food we have, the friends and the family around us, the salvation that you offer us, the Holy Spirit who you give to us to build us up and make us more and more into the image of Christ. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die for us, that we would have eternal life. And that isn't just a legal change from being out of the presence of God and in the presence of God. It's not just a one thing that happens and then we just get on with everything else thereafter, Lord. It's something that we walk with you day by day by the Spirit. And we are changed and we are built up and we are encouraged and we are challenged. But that's where life is found. And I pray, Lord God, that this year we would be a church who discovers life. We pray, Lord, for the leading of your spirit in all this. In Jesus' name, amen. If the band want to come up. Um, we've lost our worship leader. Oh, there she is. <laughs> I was panicking then. It would be good for us to respond in worship. Um, you know, life in the Spirit is God's grace to us. Jesus is a grace gift to us. Our call, our call though, is to walk in the discipline of God, which is choosing day by day to live by the Spirit, choosing day by day to get into the words and understand these words of Jesus that give us salvation.